Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Hey, it's Pat Newman, owner of R.P. Newman Realty, Saber Memphis, and the head baseball coach of the Lamorne Owen College Magicians. And I'm hanging with Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. I'm Condi Anthony from WMC Action News 5. You can join me weekdays on Channel 5 at 5, 6, and 10 p.m. I'm hanging with Ina Esco on Verbally Effective. I'm Chef the Arthur, and I'm verbally effective because I chased my dreams and it worked out in a major way. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco, in the building. I uh, hope everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice is safe and secure in this COVID-19 era. But hey, we still have the Verbally Effective podcast pop in. I have a wonderful guest today with me over the phone. I have Chef D. Arthur. A lot of you know him as Desmond Robinson. He is a celebrity chef and so much more. How are you, Chef D. Arthur? I'm amazing. How are you? I am good. Look, I'm so happy that you're able to join me today. You know, it's a lot going on, right? It's so much going on. <laughs> it's so much going on. I'm happy to be here, though, because we've been trying to do this for a while, so it took us to Yes, thank you so much. You know, you are a busy man. You are a busy <laughs> man. Because I know the last time we were talking about it, we was like, okay, so when are you going to be in town? Okay, okay. But I know with COVID-19 going on right now, so much has like changed for everyone. So we're definitely going to hit on that. But we're going to start at the beginning like we always do on the Verbally Effective Podcast Desmond Robinson, what part of Memphis are you from? Whitehaven, Tennessee. Proud. So proud. Blackhaven. <laughs> okay, so, okay, you're a part of the Blackhaven community. Tell me about growing yes. up in Blackhaven. I was amazing. We lived in a neighborhood, well, we lived on Georgia Drive. It was kind of off of Homes and Hudgens and Ponderosa, that area. I'm over there by Oakshire. Yes. Uh, it was a neighborhood of all the boys growing up, so we just lived in a really nice neighborhood growing up. Um, had lots of fun, went to Whitehaven Elementary, left Whitehaven for middle school and went to Bellevue, but then came back and went to Whitehaven High School where I was in the band, played trombone, had a really, really good time in Whitehaven. No regrets. I am a proud uh, alumni, 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 alumni. <laughs> yeah, <they're going. laughs> yeah, oh, wow. Whitehaven all day, every day. Love 
loved it. You know what? Every uh, White Haven member I talk to, you guys are so proud from that particular era. And you guys give back all the time. So um, I always love talking to somebody from White Haven on the Verbally Effective podcast. Now, I did hear you mention you played the trombone. Where the trombone? I didn't know you played the trombone back in the day. That's because I ain't even played this since 2003. It's no point of me mentioning it anymore. If you put one in my hand today, it's not going to go the same. It's not going to work out okay. Look, were you serious with that trombone, though? I was pretty good. You was pretty good? I did, was pretty good. I did, was pretty good. Did you compete? I was in the... Um, so I competed in the marching band, and we, you know, we were all over the country back then. We were going to a different city every week, uh, competing in Battle of the Band. And um, I could have gone on to college, but I just kind of wanted to do some different things in college. But I even, you know, I think I auditioned for a few schools. I was supposed to audition for TSU's band, okay. Alcorn's band, but I just, I just wanted to go a different route uh, in college, so I left it, let it go. Let um, it go. After the last performance, my senior year. Ah, you had to let it go. You had to do what you wanted to do, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it was very time-consuming. It was very time-consuming. We would, like, literally practice all week. Um, and then we had football games on Friday night. And then, like, sometimes we would, like, leave the school Friday night, go home, take a shower, pack a bag, and then be back at the school maybe by 1 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. to travel to whatever city you were going to a battle band. So it was like we were on tour a little bit. So it took up a lot of time. So I didn't want to do that again in college. Yeah, that was a lot going on. That's a that's a busy schedule as a high school student. <laughs> it was fun though. It was good times. Really, really good times. Okay, so do you have any siblings? I do. I have a younger brother, uh, Dasmond or Amon or Peter. I don't know. He depends on when you met him in life to determine <laughs> which name you know him by. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you guys still close? Very, very close. Okay. He we'll just married you. one of my best friends, Felicia. So we're oh, very close, yeah. Wow, that is awesome. Okay, so when you graduated from Whitehaven, what did you do, Chef D. Arthur? I went to the University of Memphis. Okay. And screaming. I did want to go to the University of Memphis. I wanted to go out of town like the rest of my friends. Um, but my financial aid situation is there that I need to sit my butt at home. So I went to the University of Memphis, spent the whole first semester miserable, not because the school made me miserable, because I just wanted to be out of town. I wanted to be away. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the second semester, I gave it a shot, and it changed my life. The University of Memphis, you saw how proud I talked about what Haven. I experienced the University of Memphis was 10 times that. It was such good times. I was pretty much involved in anything you could think of on campus. Um, and it just truly changed my life and the trajectory of my life. Yeah, you you know what? You Tigers are very proud as well, like you mentioned. Yeah. I know quite a few of you all. And, <laughs> um, you know, we all know that you are a part of the first fraternity, the, the coldest fraternity out here, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. How did you choose A Phi A? I was about to, like, shout it out, but then I realized we were on the phone and this is for a podcast and it might be really, really loud, so I started to get that. But also, honestly, I didn't know much about Greek life going into college, but I, um, when I was moving into Richmond, I was moving into the dorm. Um, a lot of the guys who were helping people move in, at the time, I didn't know that they were out. So then I decided to get involved on campus. I went to a VSA meeting and a lot of the people involved with that were alpha. And then I realized that a couple of my orientation guys were alpha. So a lot of the black men on campus that I found myself looking up to, 
I didn't even know they were Greek, but at the point that I found out that they were, they were all houses. So then that began my journey of exploration. Mm-hmm. Uh, was all on the website, and you know, before the semester was over with, I went from not being interested in Greek life at all to being kind of obsessed. Yes. And um, by that next year, I was pledging. Yes, you know what that Greek life will do it to you, huh? <laughs> right, it was. It, 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 it was something that I, I, I didn't know much about at all at, at the beginning, but then I got to college, and then I, you know, you see the step shows, everything was cool, you go to the parties, it looks cool, but I still wasn't kind of committed to the idea of being part of it, but then the more, it was really like sitting in all of these meetings and seeing that all of these guys were bros and seeing how they handled themselves, and carried themselves, and just how respected they were, I was like, yeah. That's what I want to do. I know that's right. I know that's right. I remember when you pledged. I remember that. I I really do. I, <laughs> I keep up with all, you know, the bruhs, especially in this area. Now, Desmond, tell me this. What did you do when you graduated from the University of Memphis? You got a job that I hated. You got a job that I absolutely hated. And I, what was um, that? I was the guy who was, I was so involved on campus that I didn't really focused enough for what I was going to do after school. I was that guy that was, like I said, I was involved in pretty much anything you could be involved in. I've majored in extracurricular activities. Technically, Mm -hmm. I was a communication major, but I majored in extracurricular activities. So by the time it was time for me to graduate, like, I hiked up my graduation. All my family came. It was a big party. We had a party with the, the Alphas and the AKAs who graduated, and we had a big party. I had a couple of graduation parties, and then my family came to town. We party hard. Uh, my graduation was on Sunday, Monday morning. Everybody left to go back home, and I was like, whoa. Now what? Reality um, so hit. I went to Indeed.com and applied to any job. That all you needed was a bathroom. It didn't matter. Anything. Like, it didn't matter. I didn't have a plan. I didn't plan on going to grad school. I, you know, I, I, I had a, a general idea of some stuff I wanted to do after college, but um, I didn't have a game plan. So I applied for anything, and I got a job that I absolutely hated. Um, and... I would take the longest route to work every day. If I got to work at, I was supposed to be working at 8 o'clock, but if I got there at 7.55, I would literally sit in my car at five minutes. I, would, I wasn't giving no. any time they did pay for Yes, man. All day waiting on lunch. After lunch was over, I spent the rest of the day waiting on 5 o'clock. I spent all week waiting on Friday. Once Friday hit, I was excited, but then when Sunday would roll back around, I was sad again. Wait a minute. Man. Where were you working? I can't tell you. It's a good company. It just wasn't a good fit for me. So I'm not going to say the name of the company. Because they do okay. work. I just, it wasn't my fit. Okay. So it's not what you wanted to do, basically. I just, I, I, at that time, I didn't even have a plan of what I wanted to do. But I knew for sure that wasn't it. Okay. So what was the turning point, Desmond? Um, it just got to a point where I realized that I was more likely than not depressed. Um, I had no plan for my life. I was just going through the motions. I was still living in my parents' house. Uh, a lot of my friends were going through through different transitional things of their own, whether it was going to grad school and hating it, working a different job that they hated. You know, Chastity was working at, um, I'm not going to say the name of that company either. But mm-hmm. I Chastity was working at a company that she absolutely hated at the time. So we were literally be on the phone all the time. Like, I hate this. Yeah. Um, and so everybody's just trying to figure out what's the thing that they need to do. And uh, for me, I had always wanted to be a chef. I already loved food. 
Um, but when I was in high school and growing up, there was not a lot of information about culinary school. Mm-hmm. We didn't have access to smartphones where you could just Google culinary school. Guidance counselors weren't really talking about it like that. Um, so the information about how to go to culinary school wasn't readily available at the time. Um, but at this point, it's the end of 2007, beginning of 2008, and there's culinary school on, uh, commercials on every channel almost, mm-hmm. uh, technology, is, you don't need an ethernet cord, it's dial-up to get on the internet anymore, you can just kind of go on watch right now, so the way we access information was differently, so at that point I was like, alright, now's the time to revisit this culinary conversation, and so I decided to quit that job, mm. move to Atlanta to go to culinary school. Oh, wow. And I heard you say that you've always enjoyed cooking. Were you cooking at home growing up? Like, you've always yeah, enjoyed always. it. Really? Yeah, I wasn't that little boy, that little kid that was always playing outside. I was always in the house in the kitchen and growing folks this. All the time, like, get out of here, go outside, go play, get out of here. But, like, I was in the kitchen watching. Oh, watching wow. everything that they did. And, um, my mom had all types of seasonings and herbs and, and, and spices and so I was fascinated that we had a cabinet full of that many things that all had a purpose. If we had 50 different types of seasonings or spices and herbs that all had a flavor, they all had a purpose, they all had a delicate balance. And so mom was literally teaching me like when you use this, you only use a little bit because it'll overpower it. So you can use as much of this as you want because it's going to stop that. And so I was just fascinated from the bias from a very early age. Wow. And it's good that you knew kind of deep inside that's what you wanted to do. And, you know, you you were able to put yourself out of your own misery and actually pursue culinary school. Where did you go? I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta, but just this, I only went for one quarter, which was only a couple of weeks. <laughs> what? For a couple of weeks? What? Okay, tell me the story. So, um, quit my job. Saved all the money I had, moved to Atlanta, got a job working at AT&T full-time, and that's back um, when AT&T was the only company that had the iPhone, and so I went there for culinary school, but I couldn't afford it because I had already gone to the University of Memphis. Like I said earlier, I didn't have a lot of financial aid, so I had already taken out a lot of loans, and culinary school is very, 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 very expensive, and so had I completed that program, I would have been so much debt. But at that time, I was just so ready to get out of that job and get out of Memphis. I just up and went to Atlanta, enrolled in culinary school, got this job. And so I was going to Atlanta with one. Spent one quarter in culinary school, never foot in the kitchen. We would have to wear the full chef attire mm. um, and sit in the classroom. I took nutrition, I took food safety, and one other class that didn't require me to go into the kitchen. And then I realized those bills started coming because uh, they were sending you invoices. And I was like, oh, no, we can't do this. My grandkids would be in there. So I dropped out, and I was just in Atlanta working at AT&T, but I said the iPhone piece, I was making good money yeah. uh, because they were the only company with the iPhone on, and people were coming in just to get it. I was mm-hmm. making amazing commission checks, and this was interesting that we're approaching the recession now, but we were in a recession then, like yeah. in 2008. Uh, so I'm, like, making good money, um, having an amazing time in Atlanta with my friends. My dad was just kind of called me one day. He was like, so what are you going to do? And I was like, you know, I'm good. I got making good money. I'm taken care of. Like, I'm good. And he was like, I, you, you, what's your career going to be? 
I was just kind of like, he was like, you know, this is good what you're doing, no shame in that, but I know you want to do something else, so what is that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so then I decided to go to grad school for higher education administration. Like I said at the beginning, I was very, very involved on campus, pretty much anything you could be involved in. I love the idea of student events, student leadership, uh, student involvement stuff. So I went back to grad school, I got an assistantship to go to LSU for free so mm. that I could do that. That was my background. So I uh, was in Atlanta for a year, and then I went to LSU for grad school for two years. That was great. And uh, I thought I was going to get a job. The cool part about working in colleges is that you can the colleges everywhere, so you can work anywhere. And I was drawn to the idea of being able to go anywhere. I wasn't interested in going abroad to work in a college. But sure enough, when it was time to start interviewing for jobs, I got a job back in Memphis, so it led me back at the University of Memphis where I graduated from wow. um, working as a, a counselor, trio student support services counselor, yeah. Wow. And so I did that for a couple of years, but the shift thing wouldn't leave me alone. Like, I would be sitting there <laughs> counseling, thinking about recipes, just thinking like, all right, so tonight I'm going to stuff this cabbage instead of just sauteing, and I'm going to stuff it with this, this, and that. Like, he's telling me why your physical teacher hates me. I'm just thinking about this recipe. So I was just kind of like, yo, how do I get back? How do I make this shift and pop? We try culinary school, that didn't I just don't know what to do. Mm. And so I was really frustrated, really, really frustrated, and called a frat brother who actually went to Lemoyne. You know, uh, Justin Keith. We were like chapter presidents. I was a Memphis president, and he was LOC's president around the same time, so we got really close, but we had to be at a lot of the same alpha stuff. That's good. And, uh, at that point, he was out in L.A. doing his acting thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was just venting to him one day, like, bro, I really want to be a chef, but I, I tried culinary school. That was too expensive. I can't start my way at the bottom or start, start down at the bottom with, like, a line cook or a dishwasher because I got real bills going on here, and I just know that that wouldn't sustain my livelihood. Um, so I just don't know what to do. And he was like, yo, I'm going to connect you with this chef out in L.A. She has a very similar story. She went to Spelman, uh, got a really, really amazing job out here in L.A., uh, was making great money, but she was an amazing cook or amazing chef, and she just quit her great corporate job one day to cook. Mm. And I think she would be a really good person to talk to. So we set up a time for she and I to talk. Um, and the gist of the conversation was like, everywhere you go, mm-hmm. everywhere you go, if somebody invites you over to watch a game, you, you and your boys are watching the game, take food, somebody invites you to a housewarming, even if they have to cater, just take something, because the more you take food everywhere you go, the more you talk about food, the more you experience food, any way that you can experience it, something will manifest from that. I don't know what it is, but something will shift from you just embracing food in all the different ways that you can embrace it. And so I got off that phone call so inspired. Um, and a good friend of mine, he wasn't then, but he is now, a good friend of mine, Clarence, was having a, a fashion pop-up shop in Memphis. Mm. And... I instantly got off the phone with her, called him. I was like, yo, do you have somebody catering this? And he was like, no, but I don't have a budget for it. I was like, I'll cook for it, free of charge. I just want the exposure. I'm just trying to do something. I don't know what I'm trying to do. And so at that point, I got off the phone with him. I created a blog. So it wasn't supposed to be a catering company. It was supposed to be a food blog, but I was going to start off by cooking small bites for this pop-up shot. So I did that. I got cheap, just to 
different business cards made. I made a Tumblr blog page. And at that point, it was, I think it was called Making the Chef, almost like MTV's Making the Band. So mm-hmm. it was about my journey and wanting to become a chef. Uh, because I refused to call myself a chef at that time. I, I had too much respect for the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened was, I made Lasagna Cupcakes at that event. And people loved them. People raved about them. People took those cheap business cards and spread them around. And yes. somebody would call me for a baby shower. And if it's 50 people at this baby shower and you do a good job, uh, somebody's going to take your card. And somebody who's at the mm-hmm. baby shower is going to call you. And so it just took off. It took off it immediately. Did you notice it take off immediately? Immediately from that first, first gig. The interesting thing was, I, at that time, my goal wasn't even for it to take off. Yeah. My goal was just to participate in food in some way other than just going to restaurants and eating it. I didn't know if I was starting a food blog. Yeah. I, in my mind, I certainly wasn't starting a catering company. I just wanted to be a part of that world somehow and cooking for that event. Yeah. Started it, so my answer would be no, no. I didn't imagine that it would take off like that because that wasn't even a goal of mine. Wow. Do you remember what you cooked for that particular event? Yeah, I made lasagna cupcakes, and so it's like these miniature lasagna. It's just lasagna, um, but they're they're miniature versions of it, and it looked like a cupcake. And lasagna I made two types. Cupcakes. I made the traditional beef and frosted Italian lasagna, and then I made a chicken lasagna, which is what they're white afraid of. And I, I bet they told them lasagna cupcakes up. For them, uh, $15 <laughs> business card, a $10 tablecloth from Walmart. Hey. My friend made me like this centerpiece um, that I use. I still have a picture of the setup. It was just very simple, but like the food. Mm-hmm. And people started calling and people just never stopped. It just got to the point where it was growing at such a rapid pace that people were starting to call me to cater stuff that, I didn't have credentials for it. Like, you need an insurance to get this place. You need mm. a business license to cater at this venue. So literally, I was having to just figure it out every step of the way. It wasn't just kind of like I had this master business plan and everything was all lined out, stressed out, uh, well, marked out. It was literally like, I came to this one event, people start calling, and then the more you show up and do a great job in front of different audiences, the more people kind of spread it around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before I know it, people were calling me chef, and I was dating somewhere at the time. I was like, hey, I had an aspiring chef on my business card. And I was like, take that off. <laughs> so I eventually put chef, start calling myself chef. That stressed me out for a while. Um, I got a business license. I got catering insurance. Eventually, I got a kitchen. Mm. Um, so literally, it wasn't like I had all of this organized. Every step of the process, when somebody was like, all right, this is what you need to do so you can do this event, I figured it out. Wow, you absolutely figured that thing out, Chef Deauther. Listen, Google is a... A mighty resource. It sure is. <laughs> Look, I use it all the time. Now, how long have you considered yourself a chef at this point? I don't remember the exact date. What I do know is probably for about at least a year, okay. I had those making the chef business cards that said aspiring chef on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few people commented, like, oh, so you're not a chef? And I was just kind of like, no, I cook really well. Started a catering company. But people started, started calling me chef well before I acknowledged the title. Yeah. And so I was dating someone at the time and she was kind of like, people are paying you 
should be a chef. You're providing them chef services. Take aspiring off your card. Yes. Why? <laughs> so I changed it on my business card, um, but still on Instagram, I was just the author. I think at the time. And so I don't feel like I fully embraced the title of chef until I committed to change it to Chef Diaz on Instagram. And that probably was about two and a half years in at that point. I had been doing it for a long time before one day I just was like, you know what? Let's do this. And so I changed my title to uh, Chef Diaz. And I think that's probably mentally when I did it. Oh, wow. And you know what, Chef Diaz, you have had some amazing opportunities and i will say that you have been very creative with your events <laughs> like ooh, talk to us more about your creativity with your business um for me i just i like to create the type of food that i want to eat and i try to create the type of experiences i would like to attend or participate in um and that's just truly been my template and my, my template and my guiding force for everything that I do within my company. Like, I, I, I love music. I love really, really good food. I love the way the food is presented. I love the way things are presented. Like, I remember the very first event I had, had it was a birthday party at Bill Street Landing. It just opened. And I remember, like, I want this to look like something like Memphis has never seen. I want people to walk into the door and somebody's handing them a glass of champagne. I don't want you to have to go stand at the bar. Like that. so because that's the kind of stuff that I wanted to stand at the time. And what my events have become have shifted over time. The first few were very, very like they weren't bougie. They were fun, but they was like everybody has to dress up and I want you to look like you on the yeah, and then now it's just kind of like I want you to come in your best twerking clothes and yeah. ready to get full. Um, <laughs> and so, but all of that still stems from creating the type of experiences that I like to participate in. Like I like to have fun. I like to dance. I like to go party. I like, but I don't want to be like in the hot club with no air conditioning. I want to have the option to be able to sit. I want to eat. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm the guy. Me and my friends go out. We have a good time for a while. I'm the one trying to figure out what time y'all is. But if I can do that all in one space where I can eat, have a good time, have the option to sit, have the option to stand, not too crowded. And so a lot of it just came from creating the type of experience that I want to participate in. Yes, and I have seen you grow over the years with your business, (laughs) and, you know, it it just keeps getting more and more creative. So let me ask you this. Now, you know, you've been doing this for quite some time. I heard you say you've lived in Atlanta. You are currently in New York. Now, we all know that (laughs) New York is the number one market in the United States. Now, how is business in New York these days? Interestingly enough, I don't have a lot of business in New York. What happened was, um, I quit my job to cater full-time. And I um, was doing that full-time for a year and was struggling. But my company was doing really, really well. I was booking clients left and right. But, you know, to, to invest in a business, you're not making a lot of money at once. So while yes. I was, my, my, my name notoriety was going through the roof, I would be at the grocery store from the store and people would be like, oh, that's just the other. All of that was going well, but financially, I'm making money and I'm pouring it right back into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I get a call from a lady one day and she said she wants a chef for the summer for her, her husband, 
Wow. And a nanny. And I was just kind of like, I got, I got used to people telling me that I was kind of expensive. So I told her my prices and I was ready for her to tell me no. But she was like, okay, can I pay it all right now for the whole summer? And I was like, who is Ooh. And so uh, I left. I, I was at, at the kitchen at the time. I went back to my house and all of my friends were over there hanging out. And I was telling my friend, yo, you remember your friend who um, works at that? Works at the beauty shop off the of Germantown Parkway. Yeah, she you know, you know, cooks for her and her husband all summer and the nanny. And he was like, well, first of all, she doesn't work at the beauty shop. She owns it. <laughs> and he is the wife of Daddy is Young of the Brooklyn Nets. Blah, blah, blah. So I had gotten a job with an NBA player and didn't even know who they were. Wow. She didn't like, give me any of that information. Um, so I'm like, oh, okay. I was just happy to be getting a check because people were telling me that I was too expensive even though I, I didn't think I was because I knew what it took to give a quality product. Mm-hmm. And so when she was down to pay all at once, I was just so excited. I didn't even think about who, who in Memphis has a nanny like that. Anyway, so I was for me to, for, to only work for them for the summer and, uh, and then they were going to go back to New York for the season to start and I was supposed to refer a New York chef. But then the closer we got to the end of the summer, my friends were just kind of like, oh, you just want a really good job, and they seem to really, really like you. You should ask them, could you go to New York? And I was like, I don't know how. At that time, I couldn't fathom <laughs> having a catering company in Memphis but me not physically being present. Mm-hmm. And so that just wasn't on my radar. But then the more my friends kept shifting with Dwayne in particular, kept kind of saying it. My friend Kevin kept kind of saying it. My friend Darnell kept kind of they all just kept saying it. Felicia kept saying it. I was like, yo. And one day, I kept thinking of it all summer. One day, I was tipsy enough to text uh, Shekana Thad's wife and just be like, yo, y'all looking for a chef in New York? I want to go. And I just turned my phone off because I was too nervous to see her respond. And mm-hmm. she was like, okay. I thought the thing about it. I went back to work the next day. They said, submit a proposal uh, with what you want. And, um, We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. So I submitted a very, very thorough proposal. It wasn't even a proposal. It was like a book that I want to keep going. <laughs> and I, it, was it, it was super thorough. And so I submitted it to him. Didn't hear anything for a week. Um, and I was at the gym working out, praying, like, God, I want this. God, I want this. God, I want this. God, I want this. And so I got done with the gym, went back to the locker, and I got a picture and said, come over to the house. Went over to the house. Um, he was like, yo, this proposal just got you a job. Mm. <laughs> and Man. so with that, I moved to New York, and I fell in love with New York. And mm-hmm. so then he got traded. I was in New York for about a year. He got traded to Indiana. I moved to Indiana with him. But at that point, I had been bitten by the New York book. Oh, uh, wow. So I worked for them for another year and then left to come back to Memphis to do my own thing. They were a really, really great family, like real good down-to-earth Memphis folk. But I just kind of missed my schedule with autonomy and stuff like that. So I quit um, and just started doing my own chef thing again. And after doing that for a year, I moved back to New York. So I said all that to say that, like, while I live in New York, my clientele now is kind of everywhere. I do have some New York clients, but mm-hmm. um, I was in L.A. a few weeks ago before Corona, Miss Rona, hit us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I was, you know, I, I pretty much travel for work. And so while I live in New York, because I fell in love with it, I've been Memphis a lot. <laughs> I've been uh, Memphis probably at least two to three times a month. Uh, and I'm traveling to other places. So right now my work is wherever it needs to be, and I'm just in New York because I enjoy it. Wow, so you are a traveling chef, correct? Yeah, 
That is awesome. And you know what? I, I was listening to you, um, you know, talk about how you ended up getting to New York. And it's amazing, you know, how our friends can encourage us to do the the one thing that they they see the potential in us but we, we kind of you know get a little scared or nervous but they really pump us up and you went ahead and asked for it and got their proposal together and got what you want i know you were so excited when they actually uh, <laughs> man listen that, that, that note you just said about friendship i don't know what i did to deserve the amazing friends that i got yes. but i will put my money with those people any day they 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 have been some of my biggest cheerleaders and supporters. I, I just, yes. I don't know how I won the friend lottery, but I love those people. And it, but it was them who kept planting the seeds for sure. That like, mm-hmm. you can do it. You can live in New York and have a catering company in Memphis. You can, you should ask them. You're doing, I see the pictures you post that you cook at the house every day. You should totally mm-hmm. ask them. You're great. Your food is great. They like you. Why mm-hmm. not? And it was that encouragement that they needed even ask. Wow, that is awesome. Now, let me ask you this, Chef D. Author. Now, you worked for an actual family for quite some time. What is the biggest difference with being a chef for a family, like, versus, you know, kind of getting more of the gigs? Like, were you able to get gigs on the side of working for the family, or were you strictly for the family? Like, how did that, you know, routine work out? So that was a job. That was a Monday through Friday, um, like, set, was it 6 a.m.? 6 a.m. to maybe whenever I was done, job. If they traveled out of the country um, to somewhere where they needed a chef, I went. Mm. And so that did limit um, the other opportunities that I could take on. Okay. And so the good part about it is, is from a chef's perspective, it routine money you don't have to you know you're not contract to contract you're not like having to go out and market really heavy foot like you know that this direct deposit is coming mm-hmm. on time whenever they agreed upon time and so that was the beauty of it they also have i mean they're rich so i was not limited in the, the ingredients i knew what their dietary preferences and needs were and so beyond that i could literally go into the grocery store and get whatever i wanted to so that as a person like who didn't complete culinary school and was primarily self-taught mm-hmm. that helped me train a lot of the chefs because i had kind of unlimited access to ingredients and resources like if i told her i needed a cast iron griddle and just go get it just go get it right <laughs> um, and so that was really 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 helpful but what I enjoy most about food is I love meeting new people. I love being in new spaces. I love being in the kitchen. I love trying new recipes. I love just, I love to see people's facial expressions when they take the first bite. And so the point that you're cooking for the same family all the time, you lose some of that because you're making some of their favorites all the time. They uh, get used to your style of cooking. And so they still appreciation and they still enjoy it, but it, it's different than just kind of, going into a new room of people who've never had your work before and then they taste it and now you have you know, new people who just love what you do. And so I was missing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the biggest difference between your safety and being a personal, well, private self, but it, it also, um, it becomes limiting to some degree. Whereas now I get to travel, I get to see different, meet different people, new kitchens. Like uh, a part of 
part of the cool thing about traveling is I, I call it office of the day because literally are you cooking from the kitchens you have different offices all the time I missed that and so that's why I kind of went back to that route Yes, yes. Wow. You have an amazing story, Chef D. Arthur. And now you are living in your favorite city, New York City. And uh, since we've been on the phone, I heard some sirens in the background. I know it's a lot going on in New York right now. It's a lot going on in all of our lives right now with this COVID-19. Tell me how COVID-19 has impacted your life and your business. Of course, you know, we're all practicing social distancing, which means that if people can't gather, then I can't cater the event. So mm. right now, um, catering-wise, I don't have anything going on. And I don't have, like, meal prep or anything like that. Because people are like, why don't you meal prep and just deliver? Well, one, I'm in New York, and my, my kitchen and company is in Memphis. Uh, I don't really want my team out in different grocery stores and shopping and stuff like that. I want to be safe. I want everybody else to be safe. So while everybody's social distancing, uh, the other children will be doing the same. Fortunately, most of my clients that we already had on the books uh, postponed rather than canceling, yeah. which really was amazing. Uh, and anybody who had to cancel, fortunately, we hadn't gotten to the point where they had paid deposits and stuff like that, so we didn't have to navigate that reimbursement space. But um, it's, really, it's, 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 it's taking a really big toll on the event industry. It's taking a toll on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the first few days when all this happened, I was just kind of like, oh, no, I lost all my event, all of this money that I had been banking on. Either it's not coming at all anymore or isn't coming until September now. Um, and so it was really, really heartbreaking at first. But then the more we started to learn about COVID-19 and the more as in the varying ways that it, it, it impacted so many people, I just kind of took a step back saying, you know what? You're healthy, you're okay, you know for sure that once this is all said and done, you have some clients you can go back to beginning of September. Like I said earlier about friendship, one of my line brothers who was one of my really, really good friends on the, and she, you know, Therese too, Therese was yes. on the uh, State Farm agency, yeah. hit me up saying, you know, I need somebody to make some phone calls for me, so like now I'm doing some State Farm calls remotely from New York um, for extra money while I'm down, and that's just the power of friendship. I didn't even like <laughs> put a disclaimer out guys I'm looking for extra cash right now this is just somebody who just you know knew yeah. what the world was doing and knew how that probably was affecting me and just reached out and it's you know so it's just uh, it's a tough time right now for everybody chefs I know all over the country are, are grounded they, mm-hmm. uh, they don't have anything going on because if you you know unless you were somebody's private chef or personal chef or you were cooking in their home uh, and they trust you as a senator person and you're not you're not bringing anything and bringing anything into their homes uh you're grounded right now yeah and you know what, you're 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 in New York. You're like in a hot spot right now because you know I've been looking at your governor Cuomo on the, on the yeah. news and even President Trump. Is is so much going on in New York right now with the um, coronavirus spreading? And I'm I'm thinking like it's it's a million people in New York. Is it because there's so many people in New York, or are they not practice social distancing? What is it about New York? Is it just because it's just you know a melting pot of people there? For one, New York is big um, population wise. It's a lot of us here. It's a lot of us here, and we're all kind of stacked up on top of each other. It's yeah. not like you know 
Memphis, for example, is spread out. People live as far as East and Lakeland and, you know, far out. Yeah. New York, we're all stacked high. Like, we live on top of each other. Also, we all, most of us rely on public transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, there's no way to really avoid people here unless you're inside of your home. Yeah. Um, and so just because of our proximity to each other, in my opinion, just because of our proximity to each other, just by the way that we have to, uh, our, our public transit, just the way we rely on our public transit, all of those things play a really, really big factor. Like, I've seen people in Memphis who uh, got tired being in the house, so they just go on a drive. And that's safe. You're in your sanitized mm-hmm. car, um, and you just go on a drive just to get some fresh air. Here, you really can't do that unless you have a car. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so there's just so many different ways. We're just we're too close here, in my opinion. We're just very, very close. Um, we're a hot spot for travel, so we have all mm-hmm. different types of people from everywhere visiting here. Most of the international flights I've ever taken had to go out of JFK or Atlanta, so just imagine all of those people that are here. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just a lot of people. Yeah, coming in contact with each other in a lot of different ways, and I think that's why New York is kind of chaos right now. Wow, have you thought about coming home until everything cools off? Or are you like, nah, I'm gonna oh, stay here stacked up? Like my mom, and these start calling. She was like, all right, <laughs> all right now. And, and my thing was, I was in LA for work, and then I went to Memphis, and I. It was uh, it was kind of that people were having a lot of conversations around about it in Atlanta when it was first starting to get bad. So then I was in Memphis for a couple of days, and in the back of my mind, I didn't say this to my mama because I knew she was gonna try to keep me. Mm-hmm. Back of my mind, I was like, "Go home right now because you're gonna be in Memphis for like three months." And in my mind, if I'm gonna be stuck somewhere, I want to be stuck while I'm paying rent in my own bed, yeah, uh, with my own dog, <laughs> in my own TV, in my own groceries, you know. I was so I was quarantine and social distance where I pay bills. I know that's uh, right. I didn't expect it to get this bad. Had I known it would get this bad, I'm stuck around in Memphis a little while longer. But now, because I've been in New York for so long, I think it's just better for me to stay. Because uh, at this point, I'm healthy, I'm fine. But you know, I don't mm-hmm. want to be like an asymptomatic person who gets to Memphis and now I'm infecting people and not knowing it. I'm just gonna sit right here in my apartment and watch Ozark and Tiger King like everybody is. Oh, I'm already done with Tiger <laughs> King. I am on season two. I'm in, I'm dead in the middle of season two of Ozark right now. It's so good. So good. Look, we all Carol at home binge her, watching. Carol killed her. <laughs> yes, she did. She tried to act out innocent. Girl, bye. We know what you did. Like <laughs> oh, wow. Well, Chef the Author. Okay. I have really enjoyed you on the Verbally Effective podcast but before we go i definitely want you if you can communicate it at this point of COVID 19 communicate what you have planned for your business going forward i'm honestly taking this time right now um to unpack that um so often when you're busy, you're just on the go all the time and you're living in it and you have plans and you're executing those plans, but very seldom do we get the opportunity to sit down like this um, and not be able to go anywhere. Because even when I'm like taking a break from work, I'm out at bars, I'm at brunch, I'm hanging out, I'm at a house, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being social. And so now I'm taking full advantage of this time. I know that like last year, 
two years ago we started Friendsgiving. It was in Memphis only last year. We went on tour with it. It was in uh, Houston, New York, and Memphis. And next year we plan to what this year now we plan to expand that. So I'm putting a lot of work into what that looks like. Um, I truly believe that uh, technology and social media, the role that they're playing in COVID-19, is going to shift the way things look after this. Mm-hmm. And so paying a lot of attention about what my role in that will be. Um, after all of this settles, uh, just truly just sitting back, uh, spending some time with God, talking to friends, and just relaxing, sleeping, allowing mm-hmm. myself to sleep in, working out, but not forcing myself to feel like I need. You just right now, just taking a mental break so that I can sit down and unpack what things need to look like for me. I think truly this is an opportunity for a lot of us to refresh. Uh, and just unpack. And so right now, I don't I don't know that I answered your question well, but I guess my answer is, this is allowing me the opportunity to sit down and figure out what that's going to be. And I don't think many of us have gotten an opportunity until now, so I think we should take advantage of it. Yes, I am totally in agreement with you, Chef D'Arthur. I have not been able to sleep this much, and I cannot remember because I am always on the go. So I think, like, right. the silver lining with all of this is we can get a break and we can be with our loved ones and have some intimacy and some, you know what I'm saying, some family time, some quality time. And right. I feel you. Look, I feel you. <laughs> yes, yes. A candle, read a book. Okay, okay. And finish Tiger King and Ozark, cause honey, I love both yes, of them yes. shows. And now, Uncorked. How, how dare I not mention Uncorked, the Memphis movie? I was so impressed with it. I was so impressed. You know yeah. what? I haven't started. Well, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. I, I, I like played five minutes at the beginning, but then I had got busy doing something else. But I'm gonna go back to it before the week is out. I heard that yo guy to kick it off. I was like, okay, Memphis. Okay, yeah, Memphis. It's so Memphis. I appreciated it. it. It shows so much. I appreciated the way that it, it represented the city. I appreciated yeah. the amount of people I knew from the city that were in it, were involved, did it in some capacity. I just. I whoever was involved with it, I appreciate the level of intentionality that visibly went into it. It was great. Yes, I'm gonna check it out. Now, Chef D. Arthur, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and see your wonderful food on the internet, all that good stuff. Yes, yes, yes. So you can find me at www.chefdarthur.com. That's Chef D. A. R. T-H-U-R.com. You can find me on Instagram at Chef underscore D. Arthur. That's spelled the same way. Those are two of the primary ways to access me because my email address and business numbers are attached to both. Um, also, right now, since so many of us are stuck at home and, 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 and forced to cook, I'm actually finishing up a recipe now. I'll be posting a lot of recipe video content. Yes. So just get on the Instagram, go to my website. A lot of stuff that you can cook at home um, really quick, easy, and simple to kind of last through this quarantine. I'll be looking forward to those videos, Chef D. Arthur. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, I think a lot of us are cooking more while we're at home, you know, because, you know, we didn't tow the grocery store up. So we are looking for different that's things right. to cook. <laughs> that's one, I think that's one of the other good things about I want to stay in New York because I have a grocery store next door. Uh, oh, you lucky. 
Right, yeah, I don't have to get on the train or in an Uber or anything to go to the grocery store, and they're always stopped. Oh, wow, you are like lucky. People don't know it exists or something, so they've not run out of anything, so I know that I can just go to the grocery store and get the door, stand in a regular line, get regular groceries, and not have to kind of go out into the world too much and catch that. Yes. You know what? I want to know, what is your favorite dish to cook, and what is... <laughs> What is your favorite dish to cook and what is your favorite dish to eat? To eat tacos. Mmm, what kind? I love tacos. I know people expect me to say something extra fancy and shifty. Every time I get that question from my answer for the rest of my life will always be tacos. And you can make these tacos, any kind of fish tacos, ground beef, ground turkey, whatever you want to put inside this hard tortilla shell is going to make me happy. Let's go. Okay, tacos. And to cook... I have a very Mr. America patenty answer for this, but I don't have a favorite thing to cook. What I love about food is creating. I like to cook different things. I'm only excited about cooking when I'm either A, really hungry, or B, I'm getting to explore and do something different or present it in a different way or play it in a different way. So the idea of learning more and, and creating is what entitles me about cooking. And so cooking the same thing over and over again, I don't have a favorite dish. I'm sure just like your favorite singer gets tired of singing whatever their hit song is or a dancer wouldn't want to dance the same dance forever or a painter doesn't paint the same painting over again. I get kind of bored cooking the same thing over and over again. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, Chef D. Arthur, thank you so much for having this conversation with me about your journey on the Verbally Effective Podcast. You are indeed amazing and indeed verbally effective. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy this finally happened. Yes, I am too. Everyone. I was like, I have to make this happen. I've been doing, <laughs> I've, I've done a couple of podcasts now. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing another podcast before I do the hometown one. Yes. Like, I'm going to mess with either. Yes. I'm going to Yes, yes, yes. Me and Sanaa have been wanting you to join us, but I'm glad we were able to do it over the phone. And I wish you nothing but success, Chef D. Arthur. You are very talented. I mean, I I see your wonderful creativity in your productions, and I know you love food. You love to explore. And I just wish you all the best, sir. Thank you so much, love. I really appreciate the continued success on the podcast. And you stay safe out there. I will. You too, you too.